Did you actually write notes for this, Sam? No. Of course you did it. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who really don't know what you're talking about. But I know what you're talking about, Sam. What am I talking about, Danielle? You're talking about a Christopher Pike novel. I am. Which one? Bury Me Deep. Yes. Yay! So this is <laughs> This is part two of our great switcheroo where last week I had assigned Danielle well, I assigned Danielle two options and she picked the Ice Pirates. The yeah, classic, the seminal film, The Ice Pirates. <laughs> you know, I felt a little bad about you having to watch Ice Pirates given how little you seem to enjoy it. And then I read this Christopher Pike book and I felt less bad. No, you should you shouldn't have felt bad. <laughs> the Ice Pirates was lovely. <laughs> yeah, like they, I felt even less bad because you gave me two Christopher Pike books to choose from, so I really had very little choice. <laughs> That's true. You would have ended up with a Christopher Pike book eventually anyway. <laughs> Is that true, Danielle? I don't know if I could have avoided them forever, probably. <laughs> I think it's good for you. All right. Well, why don't you remind our listeners, Danielle, what this book is about with the only description that seems to exist on the internet. Uh, do you have to read the actual description? Should I just summarize what my... Oh, you're no, going to send it to it me? there it is. Because <laughs> nope, I was going to try and remember. <laughs> you made me read it. I'm going to make you read it. You should just see if I could remember the summary that I gave you weeks ago. Uh, we don't have all day. <laughs> Actually, I think I might have remembered it. So it says, The dead boy would not go away, all caps. Jean is on her way to Hawaii for a week of fun in the sun, but the vacation gets off to a gruesome start. The boy sitting beside her on the plane suddenly chokes and dies. Poor boy who has a name later, Mike. <laughs> yes. It says later in the summary. Jean, Absolutely. Jean tries to push the incident out of her mind when she arrives on the island, but that's impossible. Part of the reason is because Mike, the dead boy from the plane, keeps coming back to her in her dreams. Horrible dreams filled with cold blood. Sam, did we ever figure out why it's cold blood? Nope. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Two of Jean's friends are waiting for her in Hawaii, Mandy and Michelle. They've already made friends with two young men who teach scuba diving at the hotel, Dave and Johnny. Mandy, Michelle, Dave, and Johnny. Classic. I know. Great names. Jean and Johnny quickly become friends, but there are problems in paradise. Dave and Johnny have recently lost a partner in the ocean. We don't know what kind of partner, but they've lost them. Yes. Very sad. No one knows how he died. No one can find his body. But then Jean finds Mike's body. It isn't where it's supposed to be, wherever that would that is. <laughs> They take it off the Don't plane. Don't worry about do that. It doesn't do it? make sense. Okay. And it seems as if it's still got some life in it. So zombie diving bodies. Oh, if only this book were that interesting, Danielle. Aw, <laughs> poor Sam. <laughs> I think I've learned two things about Christopher Pike's writing from reading this book. Yes. One, it's very horny. <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> Two, I'm not sure Christopher Pike is a native English speaker or even a native human language speaker, <laughs> given some of the things he puts in these books. <laughs> so we need to find you a good Christopher Pike book, Sam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's just get right into it, and it'll become quite obvious what I mean uh, almost immediately. Perfect. I'm excited. So we start off with the dedication, and the dedication is 
Poor Mike, my nephew. The one that dies in the plane? Yeah, so the one that dies in the plane is named after his nephew. Congratulations, Mike. Your uncle named a character who dies immediately after you. Well, you know, that's an honor in a Christopher Pike book. Is it? (laughs) Seems gruesome to me. So we're in an airport. Jean is waiting to get on her flight. Just to give you a a sample of the 90-ness of this book, (laughs) the line is, she was going to Hawaii for spring vacation, and it was totally awesome. (laughs) I mean, it is totally awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, 90s slang thrown into this that does not fit. Well, it's in Hawaii, Sam. (laughs) Not even... It's just... No, it's in Los Angeles right now. (laughs) Well, it's totally awesome in Los Angeles, too. It's where Jean was born and raised, and so she's very excited about getting on the plane and going for her first trip ever outside of California, even. Wow. Good job, Jean. Uh, I know. Isn't she an adventurous person? She's 18 and finally leaving the state. Where is she going? Like, is she, well, she's visiting friends, but why is she going? To Hawaii? Yeah. Because. Because. She and her friends decided to go to Hawaii for spring break. Okay. It's just like a trip planned thing. Okay. So she gets on the plane. I mean, there's some banter she has with the guy who's checking her in, the gate agent. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter because we never see him again. So who cares? That sounds like a lot of characters die and we never may or may not see them again. (laughs) Uh, Kind of. (laughs) Half the people on the plane apparently have Hawaiian shirts because no one has any imagination. And she's already upset because she lost two days of her vacation. How'd you lose two days? Well, Danielle, we're going to go into a lot of detail in this book about things that don't matter, including this. <laughs> Classic. Those are our favorite books, Sam. So what it says is she was in the middle of an acid-base reaction exam, which is a thing, I suppose. Is she... Is she in college? No, high school. Okay. So last Friday, she was in the middle of the acid-base reaction exam for her high school class. And then her mom called her at the school to say, hey, your dog's giving birth. I need you here right now because I can't handle this. That, mm, that's parenting. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the dog was Spotty because it's a golden retriever without spots. So that makes sense. Of course. She's like, Mom, I can't come home in the middle of the test at the school. And Mom's like, get home already. I can't handle this. So she leaves. And of course, when she gets home, the dog's already given birth and she it was totally unnecessary. Do you think that like parents should call their children out of school to deal I with mean, dog birth? No. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's that big a deal. It's a dog. It's going to be fine. Also, what's a kid going to do? Like, oh, yeah, I'm a dog doula. I'm going to go handle this <laughs> she right. She like, skills that her mother doesn't have for the dog birth. <laughs> no. Her mother was just panicking, apparently. Uh, is that like, like the kind of character her mom is? Well, I don't know. That's all we hear about her. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. Good job, Christopher. Frank. <laughs> so uh, Jean is later told by her teacher that she has to come in on Sunday afternoon and only Sunday afternoon to make up her exam because apparently the teacher had something going on on Saturday or later Friday and is like, Sunday's the only day you can do it. I don't care about your trip plans. But he did manage to get a forged note from a doctor for Jean so she could get her flight changed without getting charged. The teacher did? Yep. Why? Why was the teacher involved in that story? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. He had a doctor friend write her a note explaining to the airline that her sinuses had been too clogged to fly the previous Saturday. And with that note, Jean had been able to have her flight changed to Monday without paying extra. The 90s were wild. (laughs) (laughs) Right? The teacher's like, "Uh, you're going to come here on Sunday because that's how this whole thing works. There isn't 
another way to do this. And then I'm going to get a note from my doctor friend forward so you can get your flight changed. Like, none of this makes sense. It's all so convoluted and dumb just to have her leave two days after her friends. So, I mean, the point is to get her alone on the plane, I'm assuming. There's your to reason. get her on the plane and to get her friends alone on the island for a few days. Okay, well. So they can meet the boys. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The diving lost partner boys. Yes. So, already we're off to a book that I kind of hate. <laughs> understand the teacher's like entire purpose of the story nope. he's just there for an excuse to try to get gene to be late that's all it is that teacher is simultaneously like being really difficult and really helpful at the same time which seems weird yeah, no <laughs> it's it's so dumb no teacher in their right mind would a want to come in on a sunday to do a laboratory exam b do they do laboratory exams in high school uh i don't, I don't know say we went to the same high school <laughs> did we yeah and and see, I don't think that'd be safe. Like, just the teacher and the kid alone in the school on a Sunday doing an acid-base reaction. Like, <laughs> there are protocols for this kind of stuff. That's weird. And then how is I don't like how is the mom not the one that gets the letter or something for the kid? Yeah. No, apparently she just cares about dog birth. <laughs> that's all. That's the only thing. All right. Yeah, we're like three pages. Sorry, in. I'm go. sorry. I got really sidetracked by the teacher. I just didn't understand. I've never seen a teacher do anything like that in my entire life. No, because uh, no human would ever... Again, Christopher Pike is not... I think he's an alien. <laughs> I swear I think Christopher Pike's an alien writing books <laughs> pretending to be human. It's a possibility. Like, everything in here is human behavior adjacent, but not quite right. Like an uncanny valley of human behavior. So this ties into our general premise that we have, Sam, that in reality, all humans are actually androids on TV and stuff, in all media. Well, that, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but that's kind of like, maybe that's this what he's writing author, about. Danielle. It's a completely different thing. But maybe he's writing for the androids. No, he's not. Okay, <laughs> he's really not. No androids are this horny. Okay, continue on. All right, so she gets on the flight. There's just a lot of backstory about how she is a virgin. And for instance, she brought a magazine, like a Hollywood novel, and she only reads them for the dirty parts, but she's still very virginal. She had a couple of boyfriends who didn't work out because one of them was a crazy religious nut who wouldn't even touch her. <laughs> and the other one was, I don't remember. Does it matter? Does it come up again? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. He was a hypochondriac who was very uncomfortable, like, with physical contact. Oh, she knows how to choose him. Yeah. So, a couple of things that are funny about that. One, the religious boyfriend, whenever they were making out, would constantly be telling her how about all the penance she'd have to do afterwards. Yeah, so, he has some issues. Yeah, real charmer. <laughs> and she's like, maybe I can get laid in Hawaii. So, this whole vacation seems to be a sexcapade for <laughs> Just her. really... Really, I told. Do you remember in Eternal Enemy where I said that he had a really interesting way of writing female characters? Sometimes not well is the way I interpret that. <laughs> it's a weird mix because some of his female characters are, you know, quite feminist and interesting, and then some of them you're like, Christopher Mike, have you ever met a female? <laughs> Again, I think he's an alien. He's like read about females and sometimes gets things right, but all the times is not. Anyway, so she's also mentioned a lot about how much she's trying to scrimp and save for this vacation because she doesn't have a lot of money and how much she worked to do that. And none of that actually matters. So I'm just going to skip all the parts where she talks about money throughout the entire book and it's irrelevant. Character building. Not really. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not part of her character. It doesn't involve the plot in any way. So she's on a plane. She got on the plane? Did we get to the plane yet? She's on the plane. She's on the plane reminiscing about all of this. She falls asleep. She eventually, you know, gets a bottle of water, even though she's a quote-unquote cola freak. Uh-huh. But she wanted to avoid the caffeine so she could nap on the plane since early. And then she awoke with the feeling that someone was next to her on the plane. Uh-oh. So they weren't there originally? No. They when she got on the plane, seats? she was alone in the seat. <laughs> Did they move seats in the middle of the flight? Maybe they got after she fell asleep, Danielle. I don't know. Okay. 
It just seemed like she was awake for the first part of the flight. I think she basically just got a bottle of water and fell asleep is all I, is all I can tell from this. Okay. So she turns her head. She sees Mike sitting there. He's a nice Southern boy from Alabama. Mm-hmm. She you know, checks out Mike. He's like, oh, she's an interesting looking guy. And she likes interesting looking guys. Not a classically handsome because she's above all that. She likes him to be interesting. Yeah, of course. Mike is very naive. They talk a little bit about where he comes from, a small town in Alabama, Hokel, Alabama. And he learned to swim in a lake and he won a trip to Hawaii in a magazine contest Ooh. because 90s, I guess. And he's very excited to be on his first big trip. Just like Gene. And he's going to see the ocean for the first time. That's very exciting. They talk about his hunting and the fact that he shoots and eats raccoons because Alabama, apparently. (laughs) I hear that's what they do in Alabama. (laughs) Yeah, this feels like, again, it feels like Christopher Bike is just doing stereotypes here. (laughs) No, no, Sam, I'm pretty sure that's what happens in Alabama. (laughs) Anyway. Just kidding, Alabamans. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. I didn't want to get in the middle of that fight, Daniel. I'm sorry. I live in the middle of nowhere, too. It's fine. So Gene asks, are you excited about going to Hawaii? And Mike thinks about it for a moment. And he's like, yeah, I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Years. And she asks, where are you staying? He's like, oh, I'm staying at the island suite. She's like, oh, no way. Me too. I'm staying at the same hotel. Maybe we can hook up later when we're both there. Is he a ghost? Danielle, we're going to get to everything. He's like <laughs> four pages in. Let me get through the book. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> He's like, what are you going to do when you get there? And he has to think about it for a while. And then he gets really weird. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to go in the ocean. And eventually he starts freaking out. And he starts telling her about this weird cave that he wants to visit. That's like off the island of Lanai, which is a small island off of Maui. Okay. And he wants to go to this cave and describes it in great detail, but the water rushes in and there are fish and there's moonlight, all this kind of stuff. She's like, oh, have you been there? No, but I really want to visit this place. Did he die there in a past life? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just want to know what happened to Mike. (laughs) Well, it's not the whole point of the book. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. I'll stop guessing. So suddenly, Mike goes, why is this happening again? He starts, like, freaking out and falls over into the aisle of the plane. And Gene cries, somebody help. So is he, like, gasping at his head? Like, what is, when you say he's freaking out, what does that mean? Yeah, so he's, like, doubling over. He's, like, he's having trouble breathing. He's, like, writhing. Kind of like a panic attack about this cave. Or, like, a seizure is what they come to in a minute. And so some of the flight tents come over and they hold Mike down. One of the flight tents named Patricia. And she's like, he's having a seizure. And she starts doing CPR on him. And a drop of blood appears in the corner of his mouth and he's dead. That was fast. Mike's dead. Had a seizure, died. <laughs> Poor Mike. Had a, got on a plane and died. Good, good job, Mike. <laughs> what a sad life. He never made it to his cave that freaked him out. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> so his dream of going in the ocean and visiting the cave is yet unrealized. Maybe later. <laughs> So Mike just sort of lies in the middle of the aisle and they put a body bag over him and then drag him away somewhere because I guess flight attendants have body bags on planes just in case. Probably. I mean, they got to put, maybe not, but they got to put him somewhere. <laughs> anyway, Gene just like freaks out a bit and then goes back to sleep. And he's like, all right, I just can't handle this. I got I'm impressed by her ability to stay with this. Like, I don't know if anybody else on the plane is asleep after watching a boy die in the aisle. Yeah, no, I, I would be a little bit more perturbed than... <laughs> Than Jean. Well, it's her first trip. She doesn't want anything to ruin it. That's true. She's really focused on getting laid. <laughs> but not by Mike. <laughs> not by Mike, clearly. <laughs> Sad day. Poor Mike. 
Anyway, so as they're deplaning, deboarding the plane, she talks to the flight attendant Ben. She's like, did you know Mike? And she's like, oh, I just talked to him a little bit. And apparently no one that Jean has ever known has ever died, which is weird because she's 18. I guess she's never had like anyone she's ever known die, which just seems a little sheltered to me. Well, maybe she just got lucky. I'm sure lots of people make it to 18 without anybody like that they know or know well dying. I guess that's, a, I suppose that's true. Not that old. I, just, I think it's just supposed to highlight how naive and sheltered she is. You're right. It sounds like she probably probably is. Anyway, so she gets off the plane and she waits for her friend Mandy to show up after sort of, you know, wrestling with her emotions over Mike. So I gotta put that aside. I got a vacation. It's fine. So Mandy shows up and she is, quote unquote, a fascinating combination of brilliant and dumb. So. <laughs> okay. What does that mean, Sam? It, it means Mandy's gonna be dumped on a lot in this book. <laughs> Poor Mandy. Yeah, she is everyone's spoil sport. Always one. So Mandy greets Jean with an aloha, and Jean's like, what does aloha mean? Because, again, apparently she didn't do any preparation for a trip to Hawaii. Doesn't even know what the word aloha means. She didn't read a Hawaii visitor guide. Or, I don't know, exist in American culture. <laughs> That's true. Especially, where was she? L.A.? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah or even right? More. This is even worse. <laughs> And then Mandy explains it means hello, goodbye, and let's have sex. And of course, because this book is apparently the horniest thing ever put to paper. Okay, I've been to Hawaii, and I'm going to tell you right now, that's not what that meant when I was saying it. It does not. <laughs> and all Jean says is, oh, is everyone having sex? And Mandy's like, oh, Michelle, probably. She's a fast mover. And so she asks, how was her flight? And Jean explains briefly about Mike and how it happened. And Mandy's like, oh, that's terrible. You're but like, it was good, except this one kid died. <laughs> Yeah, and then she like bursts out crying and she's oh. like, oh, Mandy, I'm so sad. And Mandy's like, it's okay. It's so all right. she did have emotions about Mike dying. That's good. Yeah, of course. But she's like trying to find on a brave face. Anyway, they uh, they drive through Hawaii. They get to the hotel and they talk about like, she's like, hey, what have you guys been doing in the few days that I couldn't make it? And Mandy's like, oh, there are a couple of boys here we met. They have a boat and they teach scuba diving at the hotel. And so we have a class this afternoon for a scuba diving lesson. And Dean's like, wait a minute. You signed up for a scuba diving lesson without even talking to me first? <laughs> How much money were you spending on this scuba diving lesson? Because I wanted to go parasailing. And then Mandy's like, look, they're really cute boys. Dave is already hooking up with Michelle, and I got my eye on Johnny. So if you would please just back off and let me have them, I'd really appreciate it. She doesn't have to go scuba diving. She could go parasailing. Well, they don't have enough coupons from the travel agency to do it all. So if they go scuba diving and spend the money there, they want the money for the parasailing or whatever. Well, but can't they go parasailing and she can go... Or she can go parasailing, they can go scuba diving? I don't know, Danielle, but apparently it's all, this is a whole entirely coupon-based economy. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You have to have like a whole I wasn't coupon, in Hawaii like, in the 90s. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, but the whole thing is like, oh, they have like coupons they can use for their group activities, I guess. And so they can't, you can't split, divide them up. Yes, split them up. Everybody has to do the same thing on this group trip. It's like a Groupon kind of thing, I guess. <laughs> Early Groupon. I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. It's just con it's just there to contrive for them to all have to go. They could have just had Jean be like, okay, cool. I like to go scuba diving and avoided this whole coupon thing. But apparently it's the thing. <laughs> Somebody who was around in the 90s in Hawaii, please let us know. If I believe it's there to pad the book. Danielle. If coupon-based uh, activities on your vacation was a thing. This book has so little plot in it, Danielle, it's mostly filler. <laughs> Excellent. So far, lots happened, Sam, for a plotless book. Uh, a boy died on a plane and she got to Hawaii. That's what's happened. Yes. And coupons. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that's happened. That is something that's incidental. So anyway, Jean's still a little put out about that. And Mandy's like, come on, Dave's a fox and Johnny's a real sweetheart. You'll like them. They're cute boys. And they'll be teaching us scuba diving. Not that you get one of them because we already put dibs on the two that are yeah. there. <laughs> 
Exactly. And Dean's like, well, that doesn't really help me very much, does it? Do they have a cute third friend that's going to be there? Because <laughs> what's the point? And Maddie's like, I'm serious, Gene. I like him. Would it be okay if you were to lay off him? And I'm like, that's putting a lot on Gene. <laughs> but Dean's like, okay, sure. So they get to the hotel and she's like, oh, it's great. There's a widescreen TV in every suite and a video rental store downstairs because 90s. And apparently Christopher Pike loves two things, video rental stores (laughs) and women who don't act like women. (laughs) That about sums up most Christopher Pike books. (laughs) So the first thing they do when they get there is Mandy drags her off to the pool to meet Johnny. And she's the first impression of him is he's a beach bum. You know, sandy blonde hair, all that kind of stuff. But he was beautifully tanned, Danielle. So you got that. (laughs) Of course he was. So (laughs) why? And, you know, as they're talking, Manny, like, is a little put out that Johnny seems to be paying attention to Gene. And she's like, oh, I'd like to meet you. It's like, oh, uh, maybe you should go, Gene. Go freshen up since you just got here. <laughs> Get out of here. You're stealing my yeah. guy. <laughs> Pretty much exactly that. So Gene's like, sure, whatever. She asks a few questions like, is scuba diving dangerous? All that kind of stuff. And is scoping it out. But John is like, no, it's fine. We, you know, we, we take care of everything. We teach you the basics. And we're always there to help. Other than our partner who was lost mysteriously. Very mysteriously. <laughs> As soon as they get back into the elevator, Mandy's like, hey, I thought we had a deal for you to lay off Johnny. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was just asking about scuba diving. <laughs> so Mandy's going to have issues, unfortunately. I can tell. Where's the other friend? Michelle? Uh, she is about to be introduced. We go up to the hotel room and they find Michelle. She has closed the door of the master bedroom uh-huh. in the suite. Is there sock uh-huh, on it? <laughs> uh, no, there's not. But there's definitely some nookie going on there between her and Dave. <laughs> Scrunchy on the door handle. <laughs> So Dave is another hottie. He's a little older. His hair was black, cut short, and he wore a tight black bathing suit. Oh, cute. Yeah. So Dave the hunk is hooking up with Michelle, who, as we learn later in the book, is not a friend of either Mandy or Jean. She just invited herself along on their trip. That's weird. <laughs> and they're just like, sure, come along, person we barely know. And she's also rather wealthy and doesn't have to worry about money and is a real blonde bombshell. She sounds like a fun person to be around. Yeah, I'm not sure why she's there. <laughs> More fun. Dynamics. Uh, kind of. It's not even her first time in Hawaii. And so first thing happens is Jean's like, yeah, so what have you guys been up to? And in her head, she's like, have you been having sex? Did I interrupt? Was it good? Because <laughs> apparently she has one thing on her mind. Poor Jean. Anyway, Michelle is like, oh, yeah, Jean, you should totally do the scuba diving thing with us. And not just because I'm boning the instructor. <laughs> and Jean's like, fine, I'll do it. Could be fun. So before she goes does that, she first orders some hotel food, which is quote unquote excellent. But this is what she orders. It is a turkey sandwich, fries, and a piece of cake, and a exotic fruit smoothie. So really doing that Hawaiian cuisine <laughs> justice. Yeah, I know. I ate a lot of turkey sandwiches when I was in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. A turkey sandwich for us was excellent, but very expensive, like hotel food. I'm like, this is a massive resort. Uh, surely they would have something that is, you know, a little more traditional or at least not just something you would get at a gas station. <laughs> I'm sure it was fancy gas station food, Sam. <laughs> Apparently. So they get down to the pool and look at all the heavy gear. And she's like, oh, is that really heavy? How are we going to support that? Like, oh, don't worry. You won't feel it once you're in the water. It actually makes you sink and you die. That's how that works when you scuba dive. <laughs> exactly right. Dodging. <laughs> and Mandy's like, wow, how is that possible? And Johnny's like, oh, it's the buoyancy of the water that's responsible. Because apparently the concept of buoyancy is foreign to Mandy. (laughs) None of them know how water works. (laughs) These people, I don't think they're humans, again, because none of them seem to understand basic concepts like water. Well, you know what? They're in LA, so maybe they just haven't experienced, you know, a pool or the the lake. (laughs) Or being in water. (laughs) It's just only bathtub water that they've ever been in, Sam. I don't know what LA is like. (laughs) (laughs) True. 
So most of this chapter is literally just us watching them take a diving class. Are they in the pool? In excruciating detail. They're doing it in the pool? Yes. Okay. Just a diving class in a pool. I'm not going to go into it because it is boring, but... A few key nuggets, we learned that these tanks contain about 3,000 PSI, that's pounds per square inch, as we're helpfully instructed. Will that come to play later? Nope. <laughs> okay. I mean, in the sense of that, like, they have to keep track of their oxygen levels, sure, the, right. the air in the tank, but not, the actual amount doesn't matter. Dave asks, hey, do any of you know what scuba means? And then Michelle goes, self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Good job, Michelle. And then Mandy goes, oh, you're so smart, sarcastically, because apparently she's a dick. Answering questions is lame. (laughs) And I don't know why Mandy's being so, like, snotty, but she is. Because all females are snotty to each other, Sam. That's just how it works, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, right. None of us are real friends. (laughs) Good thing I'm not a female, then. (laughs) And then Dave's like, how smart you are doesn't matter. It's how cool you are. How how well you keep your cool. Because if there's going to be a problem, you need to think through and not panic. It's not untrue, I guess. It is true. Maybe. But I think being smart would help. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt. They walk him through a few exercises like blowing water out of their mask if it gets water in there, recovering their regulator if it falls out of their mouth, and that kind of stuff. And it seems like Mandy fakes like having trouble so that Johnny will pay more attention to her. Of course. Classic. Although she's actually pretty incompetent she doesn't do any of this stuff really that well and they always comment on how like she's not quite getting it does she die later because somebody's gonna die (laughs) (laughs) danielle we're gonna go through all this i'm sorry i'm not supposed to guess go ahead I mean, again, you can make guesses, but you should not expect any answers i don't expect you to actually answer any of my questions sam that would be crazy Well, then, you know, we can keep asking questions of the void then. (laughs) So then Dave explains the concept of water pressure because water is heavier than air, which is a real difficult concept for these guys to grasp, apparently. (laughs) And as you go underwater, you get higher pressure. And so you get, like, problems with your – if you surface too quickly, your lungs will get an embolism. Right. So, you know, got to rise slowly and you got to pop your ears. And again – a lot of really good scuba information if I was reading a diving manual. Not very interesting as a novel about sex-crazed girls and murder. We just wanted to make sure it was very comprehensive so you understood what you're getting into with the scuba diving partner disappearance. So just to sort of elaborate on how this goes, he's like, guess what happened to come up too quickly? And Michelle goes, the air inside our lungs would expand. And Mandy's like, how did you know that? <laughs> and I'm like, common sense? <laughs> Again, they don't seem to know how air works, how water works. Are these people haven't been on planet Earth for very long. <laughs> Maybe they weren't paying attention to science class, Sam. Were they paying attention to like when they breathe and how like ever, they ever inflated a balloon? I mean, <laughs> some people oh, don't sorry. like learn things based on other things. They don't have a good applied knowledge. Apparently not. The only other fact I think is really interesting from this section is the fact that part of the scuba apparatus is called a cummerbund, and I find that amusing. <laughs> See, look what you learned from a Christopher Pike novel, Sam. I learned that part of Scuba Operas is called a cummerbund. Yeah, that's good. You should always learn something from the books you read. So the only thing that happens is Mandy continues to have trouble with scuba diving compared to her two friends who take to it very easily. And she also lies about her weight, which they use as a counterbalancing. So they give them lead weights to yeah. balance out their inflation vests. That was and dumb. she lies about her weight just to be, you know, again, apparently a girl thing, even though it is entirely irrelevant to the book in any other way. It doesn't like kill her later because let's see. Nope. The, what's the point? <laughs> The point is to make out Mandy to be a self-conscious, neurotic person who just gets dumped on all the time. This whole book is just about dumping on Mandy. Maybe when they said bury me deep, they met Mandy. Yeah, she's getting buried in insults. (laughs) So after 
Michelle and Jean sort of finish up. Mandy is still getting some additional instruction. They go over to get some hot chocolate because apparently the pool made them cold, even though it's Hawaii in the summer. And they sit and they talk for a little while. And Michelle's like, you know, how's your flight? I heard about the boy dying from Mandy. Do you want to talk about it? That was nice of her, I guess. And Jean's like, I don't really want to talk about it. And Michelle's like, you don't have to talk about it now. And then Jean's like, all right, thanks. And just ends the conversation there. (laughs) And Michelle's a little put out, which I think is funny. You didn't want to talk about the boy dying on your flight? Yeah, apparently not. So I want to relive that trauma immediately, Michelle, for your morbid curiosity. And then Jean's like asking her about like, what were you doing with Dave when we got into the hotel room? And Michelle's like, oh, I don't mind telling you. We were in the shower. And I suppose you want to know how it was. And Jean's like, yeah, how was it? And then Michelle goes, warm, hot. The water was hot. And that's all you get about it. (laughs) I like your reinterpretation of what how they clearly were saying their lines. (laughs) (laughs) Look, this book is trying to be salacious, so I'm going to give my all. And that is all we learn about Dave and Michelle's relationship. Sounds like they're hitting it off. That's good. Well, they're certainly doing something. (laughs) Maybe that's why it's called Bury Me Deep. Danielle, please. There's so (laughs) many reasons it's called Bury Me Deep. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, they drive out to their boat and Jean asks Johnny a few questions like, how do you guys know each other? And she's like, oh, I grew up with Dave and our original partner. And Jean's like, oh, he had another partner? And Dave's like, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) He's not around anymore. Just let's not talk about it. Mysterious. Yeah, I know. Why did they even bring him up into the conversation? Because Johnny just let it slip, I guess. So anyway, they get to the beach and they get in the water and they're swimming around the fishes and Jean's having a grand old time. She loves scuba diving. She's enamored by the coral and the beauty of it. And then at one point, Dave claps his hands and a bunch of fish swim over to him like he's going to feed them, but he has no food. So they just sort of wander away. So they eat him alive. (laughs) (laughs) That would be more interesting. Again, this whole chapter is just them going on a nice scuba diving trip and nothing happening. Ambiance, Sam. Uh, The only thing that happens is that Mandy runs out of air way before Jean and Michelle because she is apparently an oxygen hog (laughs) as described by Dave. And so they have to cut short their scuba diving trip so they can all surface because Mandy's out of air. Is that, I mean, I've never scuba dived. Is that how that works? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> it's just curious. I do imagine certain people, you know, with different respiratory patterns and different oxygen needs and aerobic capacities would consume oxygen at different rates. But I don't know if it's like that drastic where one does it twice as fast as everyone else. Are you... Do they all have to rise because she ran out of air, but everybody else still had air? Or are they like... Yes, they have to go up because she ran out of air. And the rule for the dive instructor is you you don't split up the group. Okay. They all stay together. That makes more sense. I thought for some reason it was shared air. And I was like, I don't think that's how scuba works. (laughs) Oh, definitely not shared. So (laughs) so Jean is a little put out with Mandy for cutting her exploration short because she ran out of air so quickly. Man, Mandy. Mandy, right? (laughs) Gosh. Oh, so she failed to uh, pop her ears properly, so her ears hurt, because she just can't do anything right. That would be me. So as they're wading back through the water to the shore, Jean trips and cuts her hand open on a bunch of coral, Uh because flippers, I guess, or something. (laughs) And they all manage to struggle to the beach. They're all very tired, except for Michelle, who seems to have just an overabundance of energy. She never gets tired, even though she doesn't seem to sleep that much. Because she's doing other things. Maybe she's just so active, physically active. Yes. She's one of those like people with an abundance of energy, apparently. And so they're like, what do we want to do next? And Jean's like, gosh, I could really use a nap. And then Johnny says, why don't you take a nap at the hotel, Jean? I'm like, where else would she take a nap? <laughs> On the beach. <laughs> he's like, why don't you take a nap at the hotel, Jean? Then we can all go out later and get something to eat. Because clearly Johnny wants to you know, get to know Jean a little better. Or Mandy. <laughs> nope, just Jean. Mandy is a non-factor. And Mandy's like, fine, that sounds good to me. And they all like, okay, cool, we'll do that then. 
We'll go out dancing and eating. So back in the hotel, Jean takes a little nap on the bed and she fell asleep with trouble in her heart because she was still thinking about poor Mike. Poor Mike. Just Mandy tried to murder her in his sleep for trying to steal Johnny. <laughs> yes, Danielle. The next scene is Mandy trying to <laughs> murder Jean. Just you, you cracked it. <laughs> you never know where Christopher Mike book is going. <laughs> and you don't know where this one is going either. Although you kind of do with this one. Anyway... She's having a dream and she finds herself in her hotel room, but it's dark and she sees that there are pool lights are off and the entire beach is dark. In fact, there was no sign of any other hotel. She's all alone, isolated. And she hears water running from the bathroom. So she goes into the bathroom and she sees the bathtub is full of blood. The faucet is running, but it's running with clear water. But as soon as the water hits the, the tub, it turns to blood or something because it doesn't need to change anything. And so Jean reaches out to turn off the faucet. And then a blast of steam rises up from the bathtub and causes her to fall. And as she's falling, she's plummeting towards the bathtub, but she just keeps falling. Like she never actually hits it. So when they said she's having dreams of cold blood, they really meant very hot blood. Apparently, yes. (laughs) So as she's continually following towards the very hot blood, she sees another face rising up out of the water, blood towards her. It's Mike! Mike Clyde in the bath of blood! Hey, Mike, how's it going? Long time no see. (laughs) And then uh, Jean screams and wakes up because dreams. Yeah, of course. And then she hears water running in the bathroom. Uh Uh-oh, somebody's peeing. <laughs> nope. She goes inside. She sees the bathtub full of red water. Is this a dream inside a dream? No. Apparently, what happened is Michelle had ordered a bottle of ketchup for her fries, and it somehow fell into the bathtub and shattered. And somehow the water was also left on. Wait, was she so eating her French fries in the bathtub? She was walking around <laughs> eating French fries with the bottle of ketchup. Like she would dip the whole fry into the bottle. And somehow the bottle got knocked over and shattered in the bathtub and the water was on. Who left the water on? Who would just leave the water running in the bathtub? Who's like, in no, the bathroom that with a bottle of ketchup? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. This is just an excuse to make like Jean's dream more real or whatever. I can only imagine Christopher Pike is sitting there going, how do I make the what? Ketchup. <laughs> I've got it. How do I get the Michelle ketchup in the bathroom? Ketchup. She's walking around with a bottle of it. It's just, an, it's the biggest nonsense I've ever heard in my life. Like, this book is like, it makes no sense. And like, it's so boring with all these like lodgers. Like, let's spend 30 pages describing scuba diving for you. Oh yeah, and then a bottle of ketchup fell into a bathtub. So, you know, that happened. And I'm like, why do you spend more time on the interesting stuff and less time on the scuba diving lessons? I like to imagine that she was going to take a bath and she had this plate of french fries with her bottle of ketchup and she so she went in there and she was like walking around with that plate of french fries because you can't just walk away from a plate of french fries they get cold no, you might as well just keep eating them so she's doing that and she turns on the water and then it slips from her hand and it breaks into the tub and then for some reason she never turned off the water she's like oh that's a mess I'm just gonna leave that on and, and go because I'm sure there can't be any problem with a bunch of glass in a bathtub that's currently filling I can only imagine maybe she was drunk <laughs> And so, you know, Jean, of course, was like, she pinches herself to see if she's still awake. And there are a couple of lines I want to read from her experience here because I just want to highlight the alien-like writing in this book. Please do. So first she says, when she pinched her arm, it hurt. That was the acid test. So she knew she wasn't dreaming because she did the acid test. Okay. Which I've never heard that term used before for that. (laughs) Is there a base test, too? Uh, You would think. (laughs) I've heard of litmus tests, but never just the ass. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe I'm ignorant one, Danielle. <laughs> and then she calls for Mandy and Michelle, and all she hears is silence. Silence. An old friend. Except at times like this, 
when it could be the worst of enemies. Does she have a dramatic past we don't know about? Nope. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because Mike, apparently. It really irrevocably changed her, this this flight that she was on yesterday. <laughs> yeah, apparently she is now an emo drama queen <laughs> yeah. who's still all horned up, though. Who was really, like, come into her own silence, <laughs> old friend. I was like, if she starts singing Simon and Garfunkel, I was going to like give this book 10 points for that. She's like a complete personality shift in 24 hours. I, she didn't really have a personality to begin with, Danielle. No, but it seemed like she's pretty naive and like not very city. And suddenly she's like this emo check. That's fair. Anyway, she goes out on the date with her friends and she's like, well, the math facts of this date aren't going to work out because there are three girls and two boys. And couldn't the boys have invited someone else along? Yeah, they have no Mandy? friends. Don't they live there? Who thought this was a good idea? It's a terrible idea. So they want to go out to dinner and then go to a disco. Because apparently when I think Hawaii, I think discos. I think about like dance clubs, Sam. That's what they're talking about. I know, but I don't want to like, what, why do I go to Hawaii to go to a dance club? They come from LA. Yeah, but it's different. Like, that's what you do when you go out other places. <laughs> Not uh, what you do, because you don't like to dance. I just think that, like, I'm in Hawaii, I'm like, hey, why not go f- to the beach or go to one of the rainforests or any other million beautiful, exotic things you can do in Hawaii that isn't a freaking disco, which they have a million of in Los Angeles because already. they're, like, 18, and the, they're just, they don't think that far out, Sam. It's dumb, Danielle, is what I'm saying. What a waste <laughs> of a trip to Hawaii. <laughs> disagreeing i'm just saying let's go to hawaii and have turkey sandwiches and go to discos <laughs> we'll get the real hawaiian experience well if you went to a disco with locals i guess <laughs> you know, a lot of people are gonna be there other tourists probably depends on where you go maybe these two boys know the like hot spots in the actual community sam no <laughs> maybe but i'm saying it's dumb and you know it's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb i'm just trying to play devil's advocate anyway mandy is talking a whole heck of a lot to like try to engage johnny like asking him question after question and eventually johnny just stops responding to her <laughs> and dave just talks past her to michelle <laughs> poor mandy and then like gets the hint just like shuts up i'm like wow mandy just gets the short end of every stick <laughs> Well, she's trying, like, she should just go find another hot guy, I believe. Yeah, like, there got to be plenty in Hawaii. At a disco. Anyway, they all had fish, except for Mandy, who wanted a salad, because apparently she is dieting to make herself more attractive to Johnny. Johnny. I'm thinking, like... <laughs> Over the course of her really... five days in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like, A, it's not going to make a difference. And B, like, poor Mandy, like, she's being driven to this. <laughs> She has some issues. And Mike and Dave talk about their money problems because, like, the bank owns the boat and their partner is the one who used to bring in all the tourists, but he disappeared. So they don't have anyone else to, like, he was, like, the um, front man who would wrangle people up and get the commissions and everyone to come on board and let the hype guy. So none of them have that skill, apparently? Apparently not. And his name was Ringo, (laughs) which is great. That makes me Be- happy. Because you have Ringo and John, and I really wish Dave had been named Paul, <laughs> because that would have been a lot better. <laughs> Maybe he thought that was too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Why name him Ringo, then? <laughs> like, oh, I'll name this man the very common name of Ringo to fit with Johnny and Dave. <laughs> Christopher Pike, I swear. <laughs> Especially when all the other characters are really normal names. <laughs> exactly. You have like Michelle, Mandy, Gene, Dave, John, and then Ringo. Hey. <laughs> Mike the dead kid. Like it's just, it's all like weird. Anyway, they talk about their money problems. They mentioned that like a giant yacht had gone down, like sunk there, sunk around Lanai last year. And there'd be people out like treasure hunting trying to find. Apparently there's a rumor there's a safe on the yacht where all the rich people kept all their money uh-huh. or gold or something. For whatever reason, there's a safe on the yacht and a bunch of people died on the yacht. Does that come into play later? The yacht comes into play later. Excellent. Absolutely. Good. Well, you never know. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I don't get again. They ask the obvious question: Why was there a safe on the yacht? And and John's like, I don't know, just go with it. And that's all the explanation the book gives for the own question it created. Well, do they live on the yacht, like the people that owned it? No, it was just a yacht they were taking out with a couple of friends, and apparently it capsized. And everyone, like most people, died on it, and it sunk. I don't know. Maybe that's where they did the drug deal, Sam. Dave's like, it's all BS, but Johnny's like, it's real. I I, I believe in it. There's definitely a safe on that yacht. One hundred percent. It's a safe bet, Danielle. Safe bet. Oh. Anyway, Dave's like, we haven't really looked for it because I don't think it's real. And Johnny's like, eh, it was a little evasive. And then they move on to dancing. As they get to the club, Mandy's like, you know what? I think I should go home. I'll just take a cab. I don't want to put anyone out. <laughs> Poor Mandy. Because she's like, I'm going to do dance alone in the club. I'm like, okay. Mandy. That's not how clubs This is your chance work. to meet somebody. <laughs> yes. It is so easy in a club to meet somebody. <laughs> But she's like, I really wanted Johnny. Poor Mandy. She needs to let it go. Jean, like, takes Mandy aside, like, are you okay? And she's like, starts crying. She's like, the problem is I'm not as cute as you and Michelle. But since we can't fix that, I may as well go back and get my beauty sleep so I can look better tomorrow. Mandy needs some self-esteem. I feel bad for her. Oh, yeah. And Jean's like, do you want me to go back with you? And she's like, no. And then Jean's like, look. We are on vacation. We're having fun. Don't start feeling sorry for yourself. Clearly unsympathetic. <laughs> I mean, Mandy kind of needs to step it up, though. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And she's like, no, I really do want to go home. You know what a cut I'm on the dance floor? I'm happy. It's fine. Just let me go. Gene's like, fine. And then Mandy's like, just don't tell me if you kiss him. <laughs> okay. And Gene goes, I won't. I promise. <laughs> and Mandy says, She doesn't even say she won't what? kiss him. <laughs> Well, she's like, you want what? What's the promise? And Jean laughs. You know me too well. Go home. <laughs> Get some rest. So does Jean make out with people a lot? She just doesn't have sex? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she met with her boyfriends who like wanted to commit penance afterwards. And yeah, we weren't counting the boyfriends. Get checked out. So, you know, yes. So Jean is apparently a pretty good dancer because, quote unquote, she often turned the music up when her parents weren't home and let it all hang out. <laughs> she knew how to rock. Because that's a sentence a human to write. <laughs> I would not be surprised if Christopher Pike was an alien. There are some weird <laughs> books that he's written. <laughs> and then Johnny comments, you're pretty good. And then Jean smiles and thinks, he's a cutie. So now she has like the go ahead. She's just like gunning for him. Yeah. She's like, hey, do you want to go for a walk on the beach? So they go for a walk on the beach. And she asks Johnny about like Lanai. She's like, oh yeah, there's a great area over there with all these fish. And she and he describes the fish exactly as Mike did on the plane. She's like, how did Mike know about those fish? He'd never been there. Ooh, creepy. And she's like, why did that big bottle of ketchup fall into the <laughs> tub while I was dreaming? She's like getting a little freaked out by all her premonitions at this point. That's considered a premonition? Like her dream about the bloody water and she wakes up in his bloody water. Why did she tie it into Michael, Mike having his dream or about his idea about the cave thing? Well, because she saw Mike in her dream. Did she? I missed that. (laughs) I mentioned that she was falling towards the water. Mike was coming up at the other direction from underneath the tub. I'm sure you did. I just got sidetracked. (laughs) You like to ask questions what's going to happen. You don't pay attention to what is happening. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. They were having a, a moment, her and Mike, dream Mike. Yep, Dream Mike was there. John's like, hey, you spaced out for the moment. Everything okay? And she's like, I was just thinking about the Moonflower, she lies, which is the name of the yacht that sent. <laughs> it's like the Moonflower. <laughs> the Moonflower, the name of the yacht. She's like, how much did you really look for that buried treasure? And he's like, well, a lot. Ringo and I were out there almost every day right after the wreck. If they were good at marketing, they would take people out there to dive and make a ton of money. Yeah, like going to a wreck would be great. But apparently, John's a little like cagey about it because anything they, they take from the wreck technically belongs to the family. Right. 
And so they'd have to like be under the table about it. And like, it's just stealing. And Johnny's like, hey, if it's in the water, it's free game. Well, I'm not saying they should take anything from the water, but they could definitely charge tourists money to like take them out there to go look for it, quote unquote. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but what they're more interested in is the treasure. And if they if they find it first and don't tell anybody about it, they can get right. get rid of it and steal it, basically. They can hide it under bloody water. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just saying. Couldn't see it. It'd be bloody. I, I don't think that would work in the ocean, Danielle, <laughs> but good try. And so this is when Johnny goes into the detail about how he knows Ringo's dead. You know, those bodies have ever been found. He just feels it. And they really miss him because he used to get all the clients and he was the, the one who was doing all the work. Have they explained where how Ringo disappeared? So Johnny assumes he, he went back to look for the treasure one night mm-hmm. and got the bends. Like he would go back and diving. He was kind of reckless. He would keep going, diving deep, and then come back up and dive again too quickly without letting his body properly decompress. And the nitrogen work his way out of his system. So he thinks that what happened. Got it. And Gene's like, no, that's very sad. And then Johnny leans in close. And they start getting very close. And he's like, in the water, it's finders, keepers. And Gene's like, does that mean you get to keep me? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's like, I only get to keep you for a week. And it was like, this is very uncomfortable. I do not like this. <laughs> so they're about to kiss and Gene puckers up in the words of this book. <laughs> and then a beeper in Johnny's pocket goes off because 90s. I love the 90s. <laughs> I don't know if I would say I love the 90s, but they're a thing. So apparently it's his turn with the beeper. He and Dave take turns in case they have a client who wants the boat out late at night and they get back to them because they're a 24-hour boat service, apparently. It's like a super common call, you know, 2 a.m., let's go! (laughs) Basically. So apparently Dave is busy spending the night with Michelle, so they can't get a hold of him. But Johnny finally gets to a payphone and he calls the number on the beeper. He's like, it's my mother. And uh, Gene's like, what's wrong with your mother? He's like, it's complicated. She's an alcoholic. And apparently she fell and hit her head and her neighbor got her some help but johnny needs to go back and take care of her poor johnny and michelle's like look i want to go with you and i'm like what why <laughs> you met this guy this day and you want to go help him take care of his alcoholic mother who just had to fall this isn't appropriate <laughs> this is not the time anyway so they go to johnny's mother's house slash his home and he disappears upstairs and tells her to wait in the car super helpful her going with him <laughs> But then Jean has to pee, and so she gets out of the car and goes upstairs and rings the bell. She hears an argument going on inside before Johnny opens the door, and she's like, Hi, sorry, I really need to pee. Can I come in? And Johnny's like, I guess. And she goes inside, and she meets Johnny's mother. I feel like that's not the time, Jean. Like, hold your pee. <laughs> Apparently, she couldn't. Go she was pee about to outside. <laughs> right. Like, she's always in a residential area. She didn't want to do that. But she's like, nope, I'm going to bust in, and, and there's a comfortable situation anyway. And she thinks that the woman doesn't look like a mother. And I'm like, wait a minute, Jean, are you being a, a real judgy Jean here? <laughs> she had a short, tight black skirt. Her purple cotton sweater was 20 years too young for her. But it was her makeup that was the worst. There was way too much of it. So apparently she's just judging all over this woman she just met. Come on, Jean, be better. And she doesn't look like she split her head open. Like, there's no blood or anything. But she does look like she has, like, a black eye or a swollen eye. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I guess maybe the fall wasn't as bad as I thought. And so John introduces her to Jean for a moment. They have some uncomfortable conversations. Jean uses the bathroom and they leave. And that's all we ever hear about the mother. Seriously? Yep. Never comes back. Why is she in there? Good question. <laughs> how weird. So I told you this book is 90% padding. <laughs> what an odd choice. <laughs> so they leave. Johnny's all gloomy. They get back to the hotel. He's like, can I walk you up? And Jean's like, nah, it's fine. I'll, I'll go up myself. She's never going to get laid. No, because he clearly doesn't know how to read signals. <laughs> And then Johnny's like, hey, we got a bunch of people going out to Lanai tomorrow. Why don't you come along? Dave's already bringing Michelle. And leave Mandy and at home. <laughs> she's been hoping for an invitation. 
And she's like, wait a minute, you told us the boat was full. Will it be too crowded? I think it'll be crowded, but, you know, if Dave gets a plus one at least, it should be okay. And then she's like, I can't go unless Mandy is allowed to go too, because I don't want to leave her behind. It wouldn't be fair to leave her out. Johnny's like, I don't think Dave would go for that. Like, one extra person, sure. Two extra people, maybe. Three, that's too many, unless there's like a cancellation. Poor Mandy. And so finally, finally Johnny Cave's like, come tomorrow to the boat, bring Mandy, people cancel, we'll figure it out. Because the only way he can get Gene to go. That's crazy. And they have a little brief kiss goodnight, short but sweet, and that's it. I feel so bad for Mandy. I know. So apparently, a little while later, she's talking to Mandy about going out tomorrow, and they talk about Michelle and how she'd been here before, and she's like, was she here when the the moonflower sank, or when Ringo died? And she's like, I don't think so, but I don't really know, maybe. Who are they talking about? Michelle. Oh. Oh, okay. Just talking about, like, you know, she was here previously, and he's like, was she here when oh, Ringo died? Because she had met Dave and John on her previous visit. I was thinking, like, on this trip. I was like, wasn't that, didn't that happen a while ago? <laughs> right. So I said, Michelle, I've been here yeah, before on a previous it's, visit. Yeah, My yeah. brain didn't connect all the dots. Anyway, so just making Michelle out to be super sketchy. Yes. She's suspicious. Is she responsible for Michael's death on the plane? <laughs> yes, absolutely. She killed him. <laughs> She's a witch. <laughs> yep. So Jean goes to sleep and she has another dream. This time she's scuba diving near the entrance to a black maw of a cave. And she feels the current pushing her into the cave. What's with Christopher Pike and his dreams? I know, right? He loves them. (laughs) And she just knows instinctively that this is Mike sending her these visions. He was calling to her from beyond the grave. What would have happened if Mike had died next to some random stranger who went to, like, didn't do scuba diving? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Out of curiosity. (laughs) She then sees Mike coming out of the cave wearing scuba gear. And, like, he looks dead, but he was breathing. You can see the bubbles. And somehow, like, all that made him less fearsome to her. How did he look dead? How does one look dead in scuba gear? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just curious. You're pretty covered up in your scuba gear. (laughs) Agreed, but apparently he's not. Anyway, he like gestures for her to follow him into the cave. It was a one-way trip. (laughs) (laughs) It suddenly dead-ended in a wall and a jagged rock, and there was a skeleton back there in the cave that he's showing her. Is it what's-his-face? Ringo? We'll find out. (laughs) She sees that there's green light spilling out of the skeleton. In fact, coming out of its eyes and a hole in its skull. Then Mike pulls a white balloon from his pouch and begins inflating it from his regulator. And he refuses to breathe while he fills this balloon bigger and bigger. And he's suffocating while he's filling the balloon. And it's about to pop. And he whispers silent words to Gene, you're sitting in my seat. (laughs) Then he coughed and the balloon exploded. (laughs) (laughs) And then Gene wakes up. My new favorite dream ever. (laughs) Because he said you're sitting in my seat to her first thing on the plane. That's funny. What a weird dream. (laughs) It's a great dream. Like, oh, you're sitting in my seat. Pop. Ah! That makes me happy. So at this point, Jean wakes up and her head is spinning and someone grabs her from behind, grabs her by her panties from behind because she's wearing nothing but her underwear and a t-shirt. Was she in a bed? Where was she? She was in a bed with Mandy. Okay. They were sharing a cot because Michelle was occupying the master suite with Dave. Michelle needs to like stop inviting herself along and then taking over the bedrooms. <laughs> Yeah, for her sexy shenanigans. And Dave apparently had grabbed her from behind because she had been leaning over the balcony about to fall. Well, I'm glad he grabbed her from her undies. Well, there was very little else to grab. <laughs> He's like, are you okay? Like, do you normally sleepwalk? She's like, no, it's my first time. And he looks her up and down. He's like, you're a funny girl, Jean. <laughs> do you want to join me and Michelle in the bedroom? 
well, I, that'd be a much more interesting book than we get. <laughs> and he's like, there's just something about you. I don't know what it is. And she's like, it's like I'm haunted, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, not to mention it. What gives? I'm like, how do you tell someone's haunted just by looking at them? <laughs> is that a common thing? I've never looked at somebody and said, hmm, I think they're haunted. <laughs> yeah, you, you seem haunted to me, Gene. <laughs> That's it. That's what I was feeling about you, Gene. You're haunted. <laughs> You're haunted. I knew it. Anyway, so Gene's just like, oh, that was weird. And then that's the end of that part of the book. <laughs> Chapter next. Oh, goodness. There was a cancellation on the boat. So Mandy does get to come along. Yay. Even though Dave's all grumbling about it. I hope they didn't tell Mandy that like, hey, we're going to go, but you can only come if there's a cancellation on the boat. <laughs> Pretty much because what Dave says to them is, I don't want to be rude, but it'd probably be better if you didn't go, Mandy. Mandy needs what like new friends. She needs to go back to the club, meet a nice guy, and like go do her own yep. thing for the rest of the trip. <laughs> and you know, Jean's like that's very rude. And Dave's like, it's just facts. The boat is crowded. Don't expect to get any sunbathing in. <laughs> Later, we see Michelle is all perky, even though both Mandy and Jean are very tired. And Jean thinks she loathes people who didn't need lots of sleep. <laughs> I bet you uh, identify with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I function fine on very little sleep. I just would prefer, you know, 9 to 11 hours. <laughs> there you go. And then I see a whale, Danielle. Yay, whales. The first whale, a big one. It bursts above the surface, 100 yards off the boat. As long as they're not scuba diving while it happens, it's fine. Yeah. Tell makes a Moby Dick joke. And Gene's like, well, it's a humpback whale. So that's not a Moby Dick whale. It's a sperm whale. Different things. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you can't make that joke. It's not the right kind of whale. It isn't. I'm sorry. Can't do that. Bad, bad person. And then they get some danishes and coffee that Johnny brings around. And again, this book is so boring. I'm like, there's like seven pages of them on a boat going to the scuba diving place. <laughs> and like, hey, have a danish. Have some coffee. Oh, look, a whale. We'll never see whales again in this book. It's a shame. That'd be a true horror novel. And so Johnny offers to give them a tour. And Mandy's like, I already had a tour. Remember, Gene, when I first told you about that? And then Jean thinks in a way that is, again, proves she's an alien. <laughs> yeah, when you told me to leave your guy alone, is that a hint, old friend? I'm sorry. <laughs> what 18-year-old's like, oh, I'm sorry, old friend, <laughs> that you told me to leave your guy alone. She also seems very willing to ruin her relationship over this guy for a week. I know. <laughs> it's impressive, really. So Johnny gives her a tour. The only thing that matters is that they have two wave runners on board in addition to the boat. And that's about it. As they're getting ready to go scuba diving again with all the people on the boat, Jean notices that Dave's red wetsuit has a tear in the shoulder. And she says to him, you need to get that sewn up. And he says, or oh, I need to lose some weight. And then she says, you're not overweight. And he goes, I know. And that's the end of that exchange, <laughs> which I don't understand. And I highlight it because that exchange comes back later and still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Anyway, they go scuba diving. It's really pretty. Jean loves it. She feeds some fish frozen peas and scrapes some moss off a sea turtle's back. And that's all that happens with that. Again, Mandy cuts their dive short because she runs out of air too quickly. Poor Mandy. Needs to learn how to breathe. Jean is not ready to leave. She goes up to John and is like, hey, can we take one of the wave runners over to the other side of the island and go scuba diving there? Because I really want to go back. And I have this feeling that I want to go to this place. Like she's feeling drawn to the other side of the island. And eventually Johnny's like, all right, I guess we could do that. So is with everybody still on board the ship? Boat? Well, I mean, Dave is there with the people on the ship. Like they're all scuba diving or whatever with Dave. Like this is a whole tour he's getting. So they're going to like skip out a little bit yeah. for a while. Yeah. They're going to skip out and take so that Johnny can take Jean for a little private scuba diving on the other side of the island. Got it. So they go out there and it looks like another beautiful spot and Mandy goes with them actually because she invited herself along to go scuba diving with them. She's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then Mandy briefly loses her regulator because she's clumsy. Mm -hmm. And then she starts to panic and starts to shoot off towards the surface. But Johnny grabs her and pulls her down and like shows her, hey, your regulator's right here. You gotta put this back in your mouth. And she's like panicking and won't put it back in her mouth. And eventually she does. But it's like, okay, we gotta go back up. We're cutting this short because Mandy panicking. (laughs) Mandy's dumb. Mandy should not be scuba diving. No, not at all. And Gene is very put out by this. And as Johnny is focused on Mandy, Gene decides, you know what? I can just slip back down to the bottom again for a little bit. I feel drawn to this area. It's like 100 feet down, which is way too deep for them. Like they've only got like 30 feet mm-hmm. down. They're not prepared for 100 feet. And so she decides just to slip off and go explore the bottom of the ocean as an amateur scuba diver while her teacher is distracted. That seems like a great idea. This won't go wrong at all. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'm doing so well. She like compliments herself on how well she's thinking about all this stuff because she goes down to the bottom of the ocean and her belt comes loose, her, her weight belt. And she you know, almost panics, but she manages to be calm, collected, and regather her belt at the bottom and put it back on. She then she notices a cave in the coral. And she's like, you know what? I should probably go into that cave. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I'll be right back out in a minute. I can only sit down here for like 15 minutes before my oxygen runs out because at deeper levels, the oxygen runs out quicker. But I'm an experienced scuba diver at this point. I can totally go cave diving, which isn't at all dangerous and stupid. (laughs) Cave diving freaks me out. You know, it's not a good idea, Danielle. (laughs) So she goes into the cave and immediately as she's about to back out, her tank gets stuck on something in the cave and she's stuck there, trapped. It's a shame nobody knows where she is because she left her group. Yeah, I think Gina's real dumb-dumb, actually, in this case, even though she's being compelled by supernatural forces. Still stupid. So as she's in the cave struggling to get out, she sees a skull floating there. And that panics her enough that she manages to break free and she gets lost a little bit in the cave and she turns around and is coming back out. So she goes out of the cave and she's about to head back to the surface. She's almost out of air because she's been down here too long because she was stuck. And that's when she feels something grab her ankle. Uh-oh. And she panics. Is it Mike? And like breaks free and then she feels something grab her ankle again. It's not Mike. <laughs> it's in fact Johnny. <laughs> that's good, I guess. <laughs> You think there'd be a better way for him to alert her that he's there? Was he going to yell underwater, Danielle? I don't know, but just like... She's panicking, like racing towards the surface, and he doesn't want her lungs to explode. Yeah, I guess. So she realizes it's Johnny, and then she and Johnny share the octopus regulator, which is like a spare regulator on his back that they use to share his air because mm-hmm. her air is running out, and they slowly ascend, doing a decompression rise because she was down too deep. And she gets to the surface, no problem, just as she runs out of air and is like gasping and Johnny is ticked off. Well, yeah, I would be too. (laughs) She's like, I uh, I accidentally sank down there. And Johnny's like, BS, what are you doing? You're an idiot. And chews her out for a while. He's like, what were you doing in that cave? Why are you down there? He's like, I found this human skull. And he's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) Liar. And Mandy's like, you're kidding, right? And she's like, no, I really found a skull. We should go back down there and look for it. And John's like, we just decompressed. We can't go back down there for two hours. She's like, well, fine, get Dave. Dave can go down there and look for the skull. And so Johnny finally acquiesces and he goes and gets Dave. And Dave goes down to look for the skull and finds nothing. There's no skull. Like you had nitrogen poisoning. You were hallucinating. You were down there too deep. You weren't doing things properly. You didn't see a skull. And she's like, no, I swear I did. They just don't believe her. Of course she did. She definitely saw a skull. Maybe Ringo's. Maybe Michael's. Maybe who's? Maybe. Who knows? Mike Gingo's. (laughs) Maybe there's the third person. We don't know yet, Danielle. Wrinkles. (laughs) And so while Dave's gone, Johnny and Gene are talking. She's like, I hope you're not mad at me. He's like, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at myself. Also, I'm mad at you. (laughs) Well, yeah, you should be mad at her. She was behaving very irresponsibly. (laughs) Like, you know better, Gene. 
And she's like, look, I had a dream about that cave. That's how I know it was there. Johnny's like, what? Doesn't make any sense. Just like, never mind. And Jean's like, never mind. Let's just see what Dave says. And Dave's like, nope, no skull, no skull. And they all just leave now because what are they going to do? Hang around and look for not skulls? Right. And they have a whole boat of people that they have to take back to the shore. Right. There's that too. They're already running an hour <laughs> late. And I think that's going to be very bad for their reputation. <laughs> as minimal as it is, apparently. So as they're heading back on the boat, Jean's like, hey, could Johnny and I go somewhere by ourselves when they get back? And they're like, I guess you can go take Johnny's car and, and have some fun while Dave is taking one of these by Michelle and Mandy in the rental car. Mm-hmm. And Jean, once she's alone with Johnny, is like, fine, like there's something weird going on here. He's like, you don't believe I saw a skull? I saw a skull. And Johnny pulls over the side of the like, okay, tell me what happened. And so this is when she tells him all about Mike on the plane and seeing him die and all the dreams she's having. And she's like, what do you say the boy's name? Name was like his name was Mike Clyde. Like, wait a minute, I know that name. So she knew his last name too. Yes, they introduced themselves oh. on, the, on the plane. So he knows the name. Gene Fiscal and Mike Clyde. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, Gene Fiscal, who is penny pinching throughout the entire book, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And finally, John's like, I don't know why that name's familiar, but she's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna call the airline, ask for the number of the flight attendant who did the CPR. I want to I want to see what she knows about Mike. Is that how that works in the 90s? You just call and you get phone numbers? It doesn't because she calls and the airline uh, does not give her the number of the flight attendant. Because they're like, <laughs> no, we can't do that. Like, duh. Yeah, I know things are different in the 90s, but... <laughs> but what they do do is they offer to give Patricia, the flight attendant, a number to contact Jean at and that they'll have, let her call her back. And she gives them the number of a payphone. And then almost immediately, Patricia calls her back at the payphone. <laughs> You think they would have given like the hotel number or something? Something that's a little more permanent. But nope, she says, wait by a payphone, gets a call back immediately. So good for her. What does she think she's going to glean from this? Well, we'll find out. She wants to know like what they have the body or if they have an autopsy report or whatever. Because oh. why would Patricia know this? <laughs> no, no, no. They don't keep the flight attendants in the loop after her. <laughs> Apparently not. And she's like, hey, Patricia, I'm calling you about Mike. And she's like, have you heard anything about Mike? What happened to him? And Patricia's like, no, just what I've read in the papers. And she's like, oh, there was an article about it? And she's like, yeah, the Maui Herald did a a short piece about him. And she's like, what did it say? And she's like, well, it was pretty gruesome. His lungs ruptured. And you think that he was diving too deep and came up too quickly. And they ruptured on the plane. And she's like, wait, you mean on the plane? She's like, no, he died in the sea. Mike died scuba diving. So it's like a rewritten history. What do you mean rewritten? What? So the flight attendant, why would the flight attendant know about the person dying in the sea? Because she read about it in the paper. But, well, she doesn't think it's weird that some random person's calling her? Yeah, it was, she does because she remembers seeing Jean on the flight. She's like, I, I thought you're Jean Fiscal, right? You were on the flight that came yesterday morning. I thought you knew Mike. I thought you might have been friends with him because you mentioned him to me. So she doesn't like doesn't have the memory of him dying on the plane. So Jean's like, hey... Wait a minute, Mike died on the plane. He was like, no, Mike died in the sea. No one died on that plane. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, not really. So apparently Mike died off of Lanai in the same area where Jean was. So she was seeing like the past version of Mike on the plane or something? I don't know, Danielle. I can't tell you that. <laughs> it's not. It's never made clear in the story. Uh, We'll get to okay. it, kind of. <laughs> And so eventually, she's like, yeah, they, they buried him at the cemetery on the island for some reason. So like, because he had no family, apparently. That's so sad. He was eating raccoons in Alabama by himself. <laughs> yeah, I know. How sad is that? <laughs> that was a sad life. Gene hangs up and is like, we need to go to 
the newspaper headquarters so we can get the article and find out where Mike is buried. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the, the newspaper place, they get the newspaper, and they find the address of the cemetery. And she's like, I gotta go to the cemetery and check on Mike. And John's like, what are you gonna do? Dig him up? This is crazy. What are you gonna check to see? Well, what, what are you gonna do about this? All good questions, really. And Johnny's like, Mike died because he was diving at night when he shouldn't have been. He wasn't certified. He surfaced too quickly and he died. It was a very common thing to happen. So he does, does he just not believe her that, that she saw somebody die at a plane? Yeah. He's like, I don't know what's going on with you. All I know is Mike Clyde is dead. I read about it in the paper a month ago. That's why the name was familiar. And he didn't see a skull. I think you're having, you know, some kind of weird brain problems from the hallucinations from nitrogen poisoning. Do we need to get you to a decompression chamber <laughs> And I or really should have gone with Mandy instead of this crazy gene woman. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, he's not looking so bad right now. <laughs> That's what this book is actually about. Mandy wins in the end. <laughs> she gets everything she dreamed of. <laughs> So eventually, they learn one other thing from the article, and they learn that Mike's weight belt is missing. They never recovered that. He had all the equipment on him, but not his weight belt. Weird. And the investigation is ongoing. So eventually, Johnny's like, I'm not going to take you to the cemetery. This is crazy. It's already 530. It's already 6 o'clock. It's going to be dark by the time you get there. Jean's like, I don't care. I'm going to go by myself. So she goes and rents a car and goes to the cemetery by herself. And she's starting to have like suspicions about Dave for whatever reason. What? Why? I don't know. She just feel like Dave was kind of creeping her out and didn't want to talk about Ringo, didn't want to talk about treasure hunting. He just seems kind of aloof. Okay. And she gets to the cemetery and it's closed, but she's like, oh, I'll just scale the six foot walls because they're covered in vines. Should be easy. <laughs> she does not. She fails at scaling the walls entirely. That's pretty sad. And so she decides just to walk around the cemetery and she finds a hole in the wall and goes in that way because <laughs> why not do that in the first place? It seemed easier. It does. She goes up and finds Mike's grave, even though it is dark. She picked a bunch of daisies to give to him, maybe to appease his spirit or something. Did she pick them from the graveyard? Yes. (laughs) I have a question, Sam. The cover of this book was set in a graveyard, if I recall correctly. Yep. And there was like a a hand sticking up out of the grave. Forced perspective. Giant eight foot hand. Skeleton Is this where that scene happens? Does the scene actually happen? (laughs) We're about to find out, Danielle, aren't we? (laughs) Perfect. Continue on. So as she's kneeling by the grave she's like why mike why did you come to me why are you doing this to me the wind picks up and there's a loud crack and a branch falls out of a tree and knocks her on the head knocking her unconscious Jeez, mike come on but apparently when knocked unconscious she's still dreaming <laughs> I, I mean people I, I don't know have you ever been knocked unconscious <laughs> <laughs> no i haven't so i'm gonna go with it <laughs> listeners <laughs> If you've been knocked unconscious, please let us know. Do you still dream? Please. I'd love to hear that answer. She's back in the graveyard, which had been a moment ago, but the grave now looks fresh, not like it's a month Mm -hmm. old. As she's looking at the grave, she starts backing up. She's like, Mike? No, Mike, don't. And as she's backing up, the soil starts to get disturbed. And then a hand bursts out of the grave, just like on the cover. Is everything in neon, too? (laughs) No, unfortunately not. Sad day. And it's not a skeleton either, which is weird. And then a messy head bursts through the ground as well. She's like, stop! No! And then Mike fully climbs out of the grave. He turns to face her, his movements resembling those of a zombie. Zombie Mike. And he goes, hello. (laughs) Good to see you again. Are there any raccoons nearby? I'm hungry. (laughs) And Gene's like, oh, you remember him? He's like, oh, yeah, you're Gene. We met on the plane. (laughs) He's like, and you're Mike. You're like, oh, yeah, we're glad we introduced ourselves. And he's like, I came here to Hawaii to be happy. And she's like, but you're dead. Like, oh, I'm dead? That makes sense. So he's like clearly not figuring this stuff out. Like something's happening. He's like, what happened to you? He's like, I was killed. And she's like, by who? He's like, the ocean. I never saw the ocean before. I told you that on the plane. So the ocean killed him? Well. (laughs) I was kind of hoping Ringo had killed him. And then he goes on, like, and evil. There was evil in the cave. I thought it before I went inside, but I went in anyway. (laughs) 
And, and she's like, what did I see in there? And he's like, destiny. And she goes, your destiny? And Mike just doesn't answer. And goes like, I was not supposed to die. I was killed. That's why I sat beside you on the seat. You were in my seat. You were following me. So I followed you. That's why. That's the only why. <laughs> okay, zombie Mike. And so, like, apparently he's haunting her because she's, like, on a plane to Hawaii in the same seat that he was in. I, I guess same plane and everything. Ha- I like, don't know. That day just happened to be the right day for it. It's, like, a good vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, she's going scuba diving, too, to the same cave or whatever. Well, she didn't even know that, though. But she's like, you must know who killed you. You got to know something. And then Mike's like, I can show you. Then he takes a white balloon out of his pocket. And as he's inflating it, Jean, like, starts having visions. And she has a vision of Mike going to... The cave, like he's floating by the entrance of the cave, and there's someone else there with him. And there's this power of the cave, however, Mike is drawing him to the cave. And he goes inside, and he's showing this person what he found, which was a skeleton inside the cave. And the person has a red wetsuit, and as they leave the cave, the person with the red wetsuit grabs Mike and takes his regulator out of his mouth and starts inflating his vest and takes off his belt his weight belt uh-huh. and mike knows he's about to dive he tries to stop him and manages to tear a little corner off of the shoulder of the wetsuit but that's all he can do and he rushes to the surface and dies suspicious very suspicious what's the balloon have to do with anything well maybe get to that okay. <laughs> just curious <laughs> so after the vision gene opens her eyes and sees mike is like i understand now and he doesn't answer because he keeps inflating the balloon and then it pops and she wakes up again <laughs> this is my new favorite way to wake people up from weird dreams <laughs> With the balloon yeah, popping. Like, that's hilarious. Jean wakes up in the dark. Her head is bleeding because a branch hit it. And then she's like, well, I think I have some new fears. And so she gets back into her car and is driving back to the hotel because she had things to do. So she didn't want to go to the doctor first to get her, her head fixed up because she needs <laughs> stitches. She to thinks. do. <laughs> she's like, I have things to do. And she gets in her car and goes back to the hotel. But oh no, there's an ambulance parked outside the hotel. Uh-oh. And a bunch of police cordoning off the area. That's not good. She goes up to a police officer like, what's happening? He's like, some girl jumped from the balcony from the fifth floor. <gasps> Is it Mandy? Michelle? Well, probably one of them, Danielle. <laughs> There's only two girls in this, other girls in this book. I don't know which one it is. So Jean rushes upstairs to her hotel room to figure out, is it was it one of them? And she walks in and a bunch of police officers there. And she's like, it had to be Mandy. It had to be because Michelle was out with Dave, she thinks. And she sits down on a couch confirming that it's Mandy because she asks the police officer, what color was the hair? She's like, it was brown haired girl. She's like, oh, definitely Mandy. And she's freaking out. And the police officer is talking towards like, hey, do you know that girl? She's like, she was my best friend. Her name is Mandy Bart. And I was like, do you know why she jumped? She's like, I don't think she jumped. I think she was pushed. What? Why? <laughs> Jean is convinced that Mandy wouldn't kill herself. It had to be murder. So she's telling the police officer, I think it was murder. There's a skull I found in a cave. I think Dave is killing people. <laughs> and he killed Mike. And she and he pushed Mandy off the balcony for some reason because she believed me. And the officer's like, okay, you got to calm down because this is all crazy. It's a lot of information to assume. <laughs> He's like, not cool. He doesn't believe her. And he's like, what, can you do us a favor? Can you call the parents of Mandy and let them know she's dead? What? And he's like, okay, I guess I can do that. Hey, 18-year-old kid, could you call the parents of your friend and let them know? Well, she's like, do you want to call or should we? And she's like, I guess I'll call. No, I would a hard pass. <laughs> yeah, like, no, thank you. <laughs> that is your job as the police. <laughs> 100%. So... What she does, she goes into the master suite, closes the door, and instead of calling Mandy's parents, who do you think she calls? Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Polly the murderer. 
Well, they say Dave's a murderer. I know, but I've said Johnny's probably the murderer. <laughs> I mean, they're all probably. Who knows, Danielle? <laughs> just, I mean, Dave is the most likely, as supposedly according to this book, but I'm, I'm thinking it should be somebody else. Well, of course. The most likely one's never the right answer. <laughs> so I'm going Johnny for now. Maybe Michelle. Could be Michelle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, but why is she calling Johnny? I actually, I actually want it to be Jean is the murderer. You want it to be Jean? <laughs> she's the murderer. She's associated yeah, and, and like murdering people. Yeah, like that sleepwalking she was doing earlier. She's the murderer. <laughs> okay, great. We'll put that down. As you now accuse everyone in this book of being the murderer. Plot twist: Jean's the murderer. Good detective work, Danielle. This is just like uh, the Orient Express. Everyone on board's culpable. <laughs> it's possible if it worked for her. It certainly works for this book. <laughs> sure. I I would not compare Agatha Christie and Christopher Pike. I'm sorry. <laughs> really shocking. One of them's human, at least. <laughs> Which one? Who knows? Ah, uh, the real mystery. <laughs> so she calls Johnny, the possible murderer. She calls Johnny. She's like, hey, I'm at the hotel. The police are here. Mandy's dead. Johnny's like, what? She's like, she fell off the balcony. But I don't think she fell. I think she was pushed. Johnny, it's so awful. And the police might think I did it. Because, of course, they do. Because she's rambling like a crazy person. <laughs> She did just show up, so that's weird. And she's like, Johnny, I know what happened to Mike. He was murdered. He discovered the skeleton in the cave, and then someone filled his BC, his buoyancy vest thing, and then ripped off his, his weight belt, and he died. And John's like, how do you know this? And she's like, I saw it. I saw it in my mind. I'm having visions. <laughs> and I, uh, Dave killed Mike Clyde. He killed him because Mike had discovered Ringo's skeleton. And John's like, Gene, chill. And she's like, I know what I'm talking about. And he's like, Dave is not a killer. I've known him my, all my life. And John's like, where are you? She's like, I'm at the, my bedroom, at the hotel. He's like, what you gotta do is come to me. She's like, we have to go to the cave and get the skeleton before Dave moves it so we can give it to the police. Do you think Dave already moved it when he was down there last time? If he was actually the murderer? Well, she thinks he didn't have enough time to because he was only down there for a few minutes and he wouldn't have time to move it out of the entire cave. He's probably going back to finish the job. <laughs> if I were him, I would have just moved it and then said, nope, didn't find a skeleton in there. <laughs> I would have too, but who knows? <laughs> and so John's like, fine, I will help you go do this. Just come to me without the police stopping you. Can you do that? And she looks out the balcony and sees another balcony of the of the room next to her. She's like, yeah, I can just jump from balcony to balcony. Yeah, but that be won't fine. be suspicious at all. Nope. And I was like, okay, just come straight to my house and we'll do this. Don't go chase after Dave or any skeletons by yourself because you'll get yourself killed. Yes, she will. Absolutely. Guess what she does, Danielle? She becomes the skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she becomes a skeleton. No. <laughs> she saw her future. She comes out and then on her way to see John, she's like, no, what? I'm going to go to the harbor instead and just go talk to Dave. <laughs> Oh, Jean, she deserves to become the skeleton. Yeah, I know. Because she realized that Michelle is with Dave, which means that Michelle might be in danger. I mean, maybe. Or is in but, on it. Like, Dave could have killed her by now, so. I know. Jean is clearly a dum-dum. So she's like, I gotta get to them first at the harbor to make sure that Dave hasn't killed Michelle already, because I can really do something about that. He's not gonna kill... Okay, if Dave is the killer, he's not gonna kill What's-Her-Face and then immediately go for Michelle. Mandy. Right, not gonna kill Mandy and then kill Michelle, because then everybody's gonna be like, oh, it's Dave. <laughs> it's absolutely... Yeah, no no kidding. <laughs> like, you can't. That's not how murderers work. <laughs> While Dave is in the bathroom, she sneaks out to the boat and takes an air tank. And as Dave exits the cabin, she knocks him unconscious with the air tank. Oh, that's good. Then steals a bunch of scuba gear by herself and takes a wave rider out to Lanai, which is very dangerous. Is. Does she tie up Dave? Nope. Just leaves him unconscious on the boat, steals a bunch of stuff and heads out. I don't know about her. No, she's not the smartest, <laughs> clearly. So she cuts on all the gear and she goes diving and she's like, it's gotta be Ringo. Who else is gonna skeleton be? It's gotta be Ringo. She finds the cave and she goes down into the cave and 
she's like, wow, this is really tiring because she's like exhausted from having to lug all the gear around. I'm like, does she still have an open head wound? <laughs> she, like, she did never go to the hospital for that. <laughs> no, she never got her head. So she's swimming in salt water with an open head wound, <laughs> scuba diving. Like she is not in no condition to be doing a dangerous cave dive. See, this is how she gets chased by sharks. And then that's how her skeleton ends up in the cave, Sam. <laughs> And then Mike yeah, in course. the future shows up, sees it. There's a path. It's a time loop. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a okay, it's time loop, just like the Eternal Enemy <laughs> or uh, Ice Pirates. <laughs> that was not a time loop. That was time warp. It kind of time looped though, because then it went back to the original time. <laughs> you got me there. So she goes through the cave and she's looking. She's following the path and she goes to the place where Mike had shown her and she doesn't see the skeleton. It's not there. And then she's like, well, it was doubtful that Dave would have taken the skeleton out of the tunnel in the short time available to him because she thought that maybe if he took it out, he'd have to leave it somewhere that's not in the tunnel, in the cave, and someone else could have found it because they were all waiting for him to come back up. So he didn't have, like, privacy to move it someplace else. Okay, but he's down beneath the ocean, so he had tons of privacy. There was nowhere else that he could hide it that might not have been uncovered by someone okay. else diving in sure. the area. That's her reasoning. I'm not saying she's right, but that's her reasoning. And eventually she finds the skeleton tucked into a little crevice in the wall. And what she does is she pulls on a hand and pulls the hand off and tosses that aside. And finally it rips the skeleton's skull off. He's like, sorry, Bringo, but I need this skull to prove my point. <laughs> and I think to myself, wait a minute, she shows up and we're like, hey, I got a skull. And they're like, this does not prove anything. <laughs> Nobody's going to believe that she didn't just have it in her bag somewhere because she murdered someone. Well, she's like, oh, they can match the dental record. So it's Ringo or whatever. I'm like, all right. And she's leaving the cave. Suddenly a hand grabs her and she freaks out because at first it wasn't Mike. It was a flesh and bone hand. Oh, no. Suddenly the hand is inflating her vest and undoing the buckle on her weight belt. And she's like, this is going to happen. So she gets her regulator back in her mouth because the person had knocked it out. She's like, I'm going to lose the belt. And the belt moves and she starts going up to the surface. But as she's ascending, she keeps her head calm. She stays cool. And she starts letting air out of the vest while swimming downward. She points her feet straight up, swimming down and letting the air out, trying to get back down to the floor, the seafloor. She manages to just get enough of the air out that she manages to get back down to the seafloor. She fills her vest pockets with sand to help weigh her down. And suddenly she's all right. She survived. Oh, good. So we're assuming that somebody's actually in the cave, like a human being. Well, she sees the flashlight and someone moving around with the flashlight, which she assumes is Dave. So somebody... Were they just in the cave because they were going to move the... I mean, we'll probably get to this. As she was leaving the cave with the skull, she was attacked. Sure. But they, were they waiting for her or were they just happened to be there because they were going to move the skeleton? I don't know, Danielle. She doesn't know, Danielle. I'm <laughs> just curious. Like, the idea that somebody would be like, just on the off chance that she comes to this cave, I'm going to hang out here for a couple hours. <laughs> well, she's assuming Dave was going there to move the skeleton. And so when he came to, probably went out there to finish the okay. job. Sure. All right. So, so they, I mean, if you were like, oh, I'm going to go move this body, you get knocked unconscious. Like, oh, I guess I'll give up my plan to go move the body, even though someone clearly is on to me. Well, that's why I said you should have... She should have tied him up, but there we are. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean, this is all her about. fault. <laughs> anyway, so flashlight. See somebody with flashlight. So she decides to swim like away in the other direction because clearly they don't know she's alive yet. Mm. So she swims off before surfacing and goes to hide in the bushes on the island of Lanai. Is that like nearby? Well, that's where the cave right. is. So she can like still see whoever is surfacing from the cave. Well, no. She, I mean, she, she's up hiding in the bushes and she sees the boat. Dave and Johnny's boat. Okay is there. So she's like scoping up the boat and she's like waiting for Dave to come up and eventually hears some rustling and she sees Michelle out on the island. Ooh, Michelle. Michelle. She's like, is Michelle in on this? She's a witch. And then she feels somebody tap her shoulder and it's Johnny. Johnny had found her on the island. <laughs> like it's Mandy. <laughs> so apparently the explanation Johnny gives her is that 
He got to the boat. He saw that Dave was unconscious and one of the wave riders was missing. So he figured out what had happened. So he quickly took the other wave rider after her because it was much faster than the boat. And he wanted to get there before her or at least prevent her from doing something stupid like going to the cave and dying again. I'm assuming Johnny's the murderer. But Dave showed up just a few minutes later with the boat and went down in after. Because nobody tied up Dave. That's what we're Nobody tied Dave. Exactly right. <laughs> Multiple people came across Dave and nobody tied him up. Assuming he was the murderer. And she's like, I guess Michelle's in on it too because she's on the boat with Dave. They're back up there now. I just saw them enter the boat. So they come up with a plan where Dave and Jeannie, they swim out away from the boat. And then Dave sneaks on board and knocks out Johnny and Michelle. And then Jean climbs up onto the boat and is like, okay, great. Are they okay? They look dead. And Dave's like, don't worry about them. They'll be fine. So wait, what just happened? Dave climbed up on the boat, knocked out Johnny and Michelle, and then Jean joined them. Why? Is she with Dave now? I'm sorry. Johnny kept climbing <laughs> like, on the wait, boat. Wait, who knocked out who? Look, I'll be honest. I barely kept track of these people's names because they're all basically cute boy one, cute boy two, <laughs> and the three dumb girls. So Johnny and Jean are together and yeah. knock out Yeah, Johnny Dave and Jean are together. Johnny knocked out Dave and Michelle. Jean is on the boat and they're like, okay, I'm just going to read this exchange because it's weird. So Jean's like, we're going to have to get Dave a doctor. And Johnny's like, we'll get him one. And then she's like, did you have to hit them so hard? And Johnny's like, I don't know. Did I? And then she's like, what are we going to do now? And he's like, what would you like to do? Head back to shore immediately. What about the wave runners? He asked. Leave them. All right, he said, and stared at her. What's the matter? Nothing. I'm just worried about these guys. And so clearly, Johnny's behaving super weird. Super weird. weird. But also, so assuming that she thinks Dave is a murderer, she's kind of behaving weirdly too. Like, we've got to get them help. <laughs> she's very empathetic, I guess. <laughs> And then Johnny's like, all right, we can uh, do that. Let's get the suit off. And as he peels off his wetsuit, she realizes it's red on the inside. Uh-oh. She's like, wait a minute. Does does Dave have a red wetsuit? He's like, no, but sometimes he borrows mine and I hate it. Suspicious. So, I told you Johnny was weird. I knew it was obvious. <laughs> <laughs> she remembers Dave's remark about how, like, when she told him he needs to sew up the suit, he's like, oh, I need to lose some weight. And she's like, you're not overweight. And he said, I know. She's like, oh, that was his way of telling me it's not his suit. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> It was my very backwards way of saying, <laughs> this is not How is, I need to lose weight, but don't need to lose weight. My way of telling you this is my suit. Like, none of that made any sense. And why would he even bother telling her it's not a suit? What does it matter? It doesn't. It was just supposed to be code so that you might think that it was not Dave. So eventually, Jean starts to like, try to back away, like get Johnny to take them back immediately, like trying to still like play dumb. But Johnny's not buying it. She, he's clued in that she's figured it all out. And then he's like toying with her, like trying to draw it out of her. Like, does she really know what's going on? She's like, I never got to kiss you last night. And she's like, oh, you can kiss me later. He's like, but I want to kiss you now. Don't you want to kiss me? <laughs> this is very relevant to the plot. <laughs> well, he was like, yes, but... Like, but what? But this isn't a good time. Like, yeah, of course. Like, that's the obvious answer. Because <laughs> there's unconscious people on the ground. <laughs> right? And eventually he's like, home's a long way off, Gene. You know that? You know too much. Sit down. <laughs> and then he's like, I guess you want to know why. He's going to monologue? Well, this is the best part. Yeah, I'm gonna, Daniel, I can tell you. This is the best part. So he's like, I guess you want to know why. And she's like, no. And he leaned forward like, well, I want to tell you. She's like, why? And she's like, so you'll understand. She's like, I don't want to understand. <laughs> like, trying and he to cut angry. off the monologue. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to hear it. He's like, I'm going to monologue whether you want it or not. <laughs> you go, Gene. She, so he continues like, do you want to hear the story or not? Gene goes, no. He's like, damn you, I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> I need to tell somebody the story. <laughs> I am biologically programmed to monologue by the conventions of storytelling or whatever. 
stupidity. It's very stupid. And he's like, I needed money. It's as simple as that. So he goes on to explain how he and Ringo were searching for the treasure. And eventually they find the safe out very deep. And they need to get balloons tied to the safe so they can float it up to the surface. Oh, of course. That's where the balloons came in. That's apparently where the balloons come from. I don't know why. <laughs> Key component to this mystery. But apparently Ringo is being a real jerk about the whole thing, being like, you're younger than me, Johnny. Maybe I'll cut you in for 10% when I get the loot. And just like ribbing him and like teasing him. And like clearly he's thinking about taking the money for himself. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's like not having it. So when they went back to float the balloons, he brought a gun. He shoots Ringo and stuffs his body in the cave. And he starts floating the safe up to the surface. But as the safe got to the surface, some of the balloons came undone because they weren't tied very securely. The safe floated down and, and was lost to the no, sea. No. How long ago was this? Uh, a month or two. So they already a skeleton in a month or two? Uh, or maybe more. I, again, maybe a year? It's hard. To, I, I can't remember exactly what happened when. Okay. But it may have been like a year or so ago. And the fish had eaten yeah, all the bodies. Yeah, by then maybe. The, so then Mike shows up. Mike Clyde to take the scuba diving lesson. He's compelled by some weird compulsion to go to that cave and he finds the skeleton. And so he wants to tell somebody about the skeleton. And so he tells Johnny, who was his instructor, who he trusts. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's like, okay, we can we can go back and look for that skeleton if it's real. I don't believe it's real, but if you show it to me, I'll believe you. And so they go back to the cave. And after Mike shows Johnny the skeleton, Johnny pulls the same trick he did with Gene, where he inflated the vest and took off the weight belt so Mike would die. You know what's an easier way to get out of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Well, like, I'll go tell the police, like, let's wrap up our lesson. You go home. Yep. I'll, I'll alert the police and we'll come down here and we'll do the, the search. And you never would have to mention it ever again to Mike because he's just a tourist. He's going to leave. <laughs> I think Mike was very intent on telling people all about it. Once I mean, he could say as much there. as he want, but Dave could, or whatever, Johnny could go back and like take the thing out by then. I mean, I agree. It's very convoluted. I just think he was worried that it might kick off an investigation. I mean, you could investigate all you want. If there's no skeleton down there, then like nobody's going to believe well, this kid. There's got to be somewhere, Daniel. It's like he's going to like eat it. It has to be somewhere. So he's worried that by the time he has to move it or dispose of it, it'll be too well, late. I think he could have. I think he could have taken Mike back. Said, "I'll go let the police know." Taken the skeleton, hidden it someplace completely different. The police could show up if they want. Like if that actually ever got reported, the police could show up. There'd be no skeleton. <laughs> Look, I agree, Danielle. But apparently, Johnny just loved murdering. <laughs> Just say there are other solutions to this problem, but yes, he's clearly a murderer. All this, this whole book is a dumb solution. <laughs> all right, murder. Anyway, and then Johnny mentions like he wanted money because also to help pay off his mother's debts because his mother doesn't drink. She's a gambling addict. Oh, of course. And the people she's in debt to are pretty nasty. They quote unquote, they make her work the money off. Do you get my meaning? (laughs) And it says, Gene remembered his mother. That jerk. The whole family was sick. It must be genetic. Ouch. (laughs) And then she chuckles. That's pitiful. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is Gene... Really, like, dissing on this gambling addict forced into prostitution? <laughs> yes, apparently she is, Because Gene is being a real, real, like, not a good person. <laughs> you tell him. Gene has lost all my sympathy at this point. Because later she's like, your mother's a tramp and stuff. And like, yeah, she really lays into his mother because she's a gambling addict forced into prostitution because of her addiction. I'm like, you're not a good person, Gene. <laughs> and we kind of got hints of that earlier in the story. So terrible. So terrible. I don't like Gene. <laughs> Anyway, there's this monologuing goes on for like pages and pages of monologuing. <laughs> well, you know what? He was being forced to try and not do his monologue. He's going to make it count, Sam. Yep. And brings in his mother, brings in all this stuff. It doesn't matter. 
So Johnny had been ahead of them the whole time. Like he got there first to hide the skeleton again before Dave went down to look for the skull. So he really didn't see it. And then he got there before Gene did when they were on the wave rider. Like he managed to pass Gene on a wave rider, which Gene did not notice. <laughs> the ocean's very big, Sam. <laughs> and he was waiting for her at the cave entrance. Impressive. What a planner. Go, Johnny. And then he murdered Mandy, too, for fun, I guess, because Mandy apparently believed that Jean was psychic. I was like, oh, she believes it, so I'm going to murder her by pushing her off the balcony and getting her drunk a little first. <laughs> so it was like an accident. What a planner. Not a, not, not a good plan. No, no, this is good. Anyway, so eventually Jean manages to insult his mother enough that it angers him by, like, calling his mother a tramp, and he gets mad about that because that's not a nice thing to say, Jean. Even to a murderer. And not to a woman who clearly needs help and is suffering from an addiction. Absolutely. Like, she's done nothing wrong. This is all Johnny. But she's like, oh, that mother's terrible. (laughs) She's like, I understand you're both dirt. And I'm like, what are you doing, Gene? And so Gene finally manages to grab some flippers and jump overboard and swim out of the boat. And Johnny dives in after her, but loses her for a moment. And she's making for the shore to go hide in the bushes again. When Dave brings the wave rider around, he's trying to mow her down on the wave rider. (laughs) So he's like going crazy, like revving back and forth. And as she goes towards her, she'll dive underwater briefly and he'll go over her. Then she'll pop back up and he'll swing around and do it again. They do this like a couple of times. And eventually she sees that there's some coral nearby, near the surface. She's trying to make it for the coral. And then Johnny is gunning for her. And then she mentions that he likes hot dogging because on their wave, on their ride over on the wave rider before, he like hot dog by standing up on the wave rider while it was moving. Uh-huh. And so he does it again right now for some reason while going full <laughs> tilt for Gene. Like, he's like wants to show off while he's trying to murder her. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But he crashes into the coral, gets flipped over the handlebars or whatever, into the coral and is killed immediately. Like his neck snaps. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Pretty much. Gene manages to slowly climb back on the boat. Michelle and Dave both wake up. She explains what happened and is like, hey, uh, yeah, so, you know, I just killed Johnny because he tried to kill you guys. And also, I, I may have knocked you out first, Dave. Sorry about that. <laughs> and Dave's like, gosh, I really knew Johnny was bad news, but I thought he could get better. I thought he'd grown to something. I didn't think he was a murderer, but he always seemed a little off. But I ran this business with him anyway. <laughs> I know. And they did nothing about it and didn't believe anything you said. <laughs> She's never going to want to go on another trip ever again. Yeah. Well, anyway, so they head back to the shore and Jean is just like, the last thing she thinks about is the call she has to make to Mandy's parents and what she would say. And Dave's like, I feel like this is my fault. And she's like, no, it's nobody's fault. I'm like, it's somebody's fault. It's at least Johnny's fault. <laughs> it's Johnny's fault. <laughs> it's Mike's fault. So now we come to the epilogue. Jean is back at Mike's grave saying goodbye to Mike because they're leaving four days early because Mandy's dead. So, of course, Mandy has ruined their vacation yet again by causing him to cut it short, just like she did with every one of the scuba diving lessons. Stupid Mandy. Darn, Mandy. Go get herself killed. She doesn't understand how to breathe at all. (laughs) And getting herself killed so to end our vacation. How dare she? Again, a breathing issue. (laughs) Well, I mean, she got her head caved in by falling. No, she can't breathe, Sam. It's just, it all goes back to the breathing. I guess you're right. So she's leaning up against the oak tree and... She doesn't notice that Mike has come up beside her. And she's like, oh, hi, Mike. And she's like, hi, Jean. And she's like, am I awake? He's like, no, you're not awake. We knocked you unconscious with another <laughs> branch. But he's like, you're not really asleep either. You came here to say goodbye to me. I came here to say goodbye to you and to thank you. And she's like, why did you choose to talk to me? And it's like, well, I, I woke up on that plane. I saw you sitting in my seat. And also, you're kind of cute. So I figured I'd talk to you maybe, get to know you a bit better. But I'm also, I'm dead. So that doesn't really help us in, you know, the immediate sense. Does she finally get to... Have some sex with a boy in Hawaii. Nope. <laughs> Bummer. 
No ghost sex. Jean's like, well, I'm glad we met. You know, now you're here and I'm here, but I know you'll be gone again. It just hurts, you know, that none of us, that none of this can last, you know, us being friends. And then Mike says, it lasts forever. I understand that now. You cleared up my unfinished business for me and I'm no longer confused. It lasts forever, Jean. I'll be with you for the rest of your life. (laughs) Well, quite the opposite, actually. And he goes on to say, we are together in the moment. It's only the narrowest of veils that will separate us when this moment passes. It doesn't have to separate us at all if we remember that good things never die. And then she says, I miss Mandy. And Mike laughs. You may miss her, but I haven't missed her. And she's like, wait, she's here? She's like, oh yeah, Mandy's here too. We're all dead together. Also, you're dead, by the way. Johnny actually killed you. You just don't remember yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's like, don't look for me any more dreams. I won't come. I don't want to bother you. We'll see each other again when we see each other. That will be the best time. Now close your eyes. Someone is calling your name. And then she wakes up as Michelle and Dave are calling for her because they're like, hey, we got to go. And they dropped her off at the cemetery to say goodbye to Mike before getting on the plane, which is in a few hours. Can you imagine Dave's and Michelle's confusion over this whole situation? They were oh, such they have, side characters. They're like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> they have no clue what's going on. And Gene has not told them anything. And then Gene notices on the ground, on the grave, is a little gold necklace. It's one that she had given Mandy many years ago as a present and that she didn't even bring us vacation, but somehow it's here. Ooh. So she picks it up and gazes up at the sky and goes, thanks, Mike. The end. So Mike went to Mandy's room, stole the necklace, brought it to Hawaii, and left it on his grave. As a ghost, yes. (laughs) So that is Bury Me Deep by Christopher Pike. What a weird book. (laughs) It feels like a Scooby-Doo episode, honestly. Where there's like (laughs) the whodunit stuff, and there's a big reveal at the end where they explain how he like used his pulleys to get himself around the warehouse as a ghost or whatever. (laughs) But like everything going up to that point is just boring, I hate to say it, but, like, there is so much, like, he spends so much time to, like, justify his scuba diving knowledge. He's like, if I had to learn about scuba diving to design this murder method, I'm going to make sure you all know everything about it. I had read something in passing that there was a astounding amount of scuba lore in that book. (laughs) There certainly is. And none of it, like, you could do, like, what he did in a paragraph about, like, hey, don't rise too fast and you're fine. (laughs) Interesting choices, Christopher Pike. I don't understand it. Also, the whole sexcapades never happened. I mean, Michelle got <laughs> They really laid, tried to set that up, and they just didn't go anywhere with that nope, at all. did not go anywhere at all. Nothing really went anywhere. It was all just ghosts. It was an interesting choice to have Mike as the pivotal, the reason, when they didn't really even get into Mike. Mike is irrelevant. Like, Yeah, it's weird. Why not just have Ringo appear to her in the plane? And yeah, like, hey, that seems so strange. Well, his, I guess his justification is they needed Mike to be the one because that's how they formed a connection because they were both on the same plane in yeah. the same seat. Well, I guess and like Mike isn't like if it was Ringo, you'd kind of be instantly more suspicious of how everything tied in together. With Mike, it's kind of like, well, why is Mike involved in this? Yeah, exactly. I, I'll be honest, Danielle, I do not regret missing the Christopher Pike train. <laughs> it was fine. It was just like, it felt like an uncanny valley book where like all the characters and the dialogue didn't seem quite human. See, you should have read Eternal Enemy where they weren't human. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made sense, Danielle. <laughs> Ugh, anyway, any questions about The Eternal Enemy? The Eternal Enemy? What, I'm sorry. Bury, bury Me Deep. <laughs> I don't know. The, what the, who cares? Why is it called Bury Me Deep? Is it because they're underneath the sea? It's a good question, Danielle, because no one was buried particularly deep, and it didn't matter if they were. <laughs> Interesting choice. Everything about this book is interesting. I'm proud of you, Sam. You made it through the switcheroo. 
I did. I so made did it you. through the switcheroo. You we made it through together, the Danielle. And we fulfilled the premise, which was to each read something we probably wouldn't have read otherwise. That's or absolutely experience something that we wouldn't have experienced otherwise. True, so yep. Good, Whew, good for us. That's rough. <laughs> rough seas. Uh, oh, <laughs> get it, pirates. Baby. Uh, Ocean. Yeah, very good. There was a common theme. The theme was people killing each other for no reason, I guess. <laughs> Listeners out there, I'm sorry if I'm offending you about your love of Christopher Pike. <laughs> I don't mean to. I'm just not the right age or the demographic for this book. And we know there are better Christopher Pike novels out there. <laughs> I'm sure Christopher Pike is wonderful. And if you would like to recommend to me a Christopher Pike book that is really excellent, I'm willing to hear it. Or if you want to explain to me why Johnny's plan actually makes sense and why Danielle is wrong about all his murders <laughs> being unnecessary, you can write to us at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you like what we do and want to support us, we have bonus content over on Patreon for our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Patreon! <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been The Great Switcheroo. Uh, Until next time, or the next switcheroo, bye. Take care, everybody. What are you excited to pick next time? You think about Elm Chanted Forest? Maybe. Depends on what the contrast is. Uh, Anything else? No, but Christopher Pike will be in the running again. (laughs) Uh, Well, I won't be picking that, so you have a lot of power. (laughs) Put it up against a Sweet Valley High book. If you put another Christopher Pike book in there, I will be livid. (laughs) Sweet Valley High would be almost the same. (laughs) You're a terrible person, Danielle. That would be funny, though.